Northwest Christian School Online provides online Christian education for any students ranging from kindergarten to 10th grade. The tuition is fully covered through the state of Arizona's ESA program and is affordable for families out of state. You can count on NCS Online for a rigorous, proven online program that establishes a robust biblical worldview for all students. For more information, go to ncsonline.org. That's ncsonline.org. The Christmas story is amazing. Give us eyes to see being part of a story that is so big and so glorious. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Kingdom Culture Conversations, we are on the, what would be the 10th or 11th day of Christmas now? Um, <laughs> well, it's kind of odd because the 12 days of Christmas are actually 11. It's 11, so we're... But we, we go back to the very beginning. We, we counted yeah. Robbie. Uh, his podcast episode, in which we talked about, is Christmas That's a right. pagan that holiday. So that was kind of, it was 12 and, days, technically. And of course, technically, though, the 12 days of Christmas happens the 26th on. That's right. That was the original. That's okay, though. We're, we got this all mixed up, and, <laughs> We are not. We are enjoying this. I hope you had a great Christmas, Adam. It and, was. Uh, today we are on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, the day before. Yeah. What? What is? Why is Christmas Eve such a big deal? Like, why isn't just it all about Christmas? What is? When would Christmas Eve become like? Was he born on Christmas Eve? Was like? Was it just like? These are great questions. Well, thank you. Let's I, uh, let's call Robbie. <laughs> let's call Robbie, our go-to. <laughs> I'll tell you the what. Apologist. Um, we're not online uh, 100% theologically with the Roman Catholic Church, but I do go to um, St. Jerome's on, mm. uh, on Christmas Eve to their midnight mass. Nice. And there's something special about being in a church on Christmas Eve at midnight and yeah. being the first ones to celebrate Christmas Yeah. Um, at 12.01 a.m. That's pretty cool. It is. Um, so... Uh, not recommending that for you, but for me, it's just been a. a so, what does Christmas tradition. Eve look like? Do you do you go to ODF um, Open Door earlier yeah. that evening, and then you go to? We actually have not been to Open Door on Christmas Eve. Okay, we, so we you go to St. Jerome Bible, um, but St. Jerome's at midnight. Oh, so this year, I'm sorry, you're going yeah. to Bethany Bible, yeah, which is now and Phoenix I'll see Bible. you. Yes. Yeah, I will see you there. Yes, and then you from there you can go to St. Jerome. Well, yeah, there's about six hours in between wow. there, um, but G two. Well, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but then we're going to church on Christmas morning as well. <laughs> it's so like three services in twelve <laughs> hours. Twelve hours, yeah. Wow. I, I can't get enough. Of You're it. the man. <laughs> Goodness. Um, but Christmas Eve is is a is a beautiful time, and and I, again, I don't know why it's so important, but it's just it's just it's just pretty special night. Yeah, a lot of precious memories there. Um, absolutely. And today we're going to hear from uh, Desert Hills Bible Church. Now this is a church. This is we we didn't listen in on this church last year. I added it this year mm-hmm. because this church is blowing up, popping. Yeah, they just moved to a new location. I I think it's over around Fifty First and the Bell, old, the old uh, uh, Community Church of Joy. Okay, yeah, and uh, the great location, great facility, and a great church. Absolutely, they are they are dialed, they are busting out, and mm-hmm. so several staff um, members in Northwest yeah. go, go to church there. And that's kind of why I picked it. It's just because of the sheer number of of families and staff members yeah. that are that are attending Desert Hills. So uh, you'll get a sense of why the place is so special as you hear the message today. Yeah. Uh, a little snippet from Desert Hills Bible Church. Enjoy it. One of the more prevalent phrases we often hear during the Christmas season is the spirit of Christmas. Christmas spirit. Do you have, your, do you have Christmas spirit? Are you feeling the spirit of Christmas 
this holiday season. This is typically the premise of every Christmas movie that is released by Hollywood. We might think of the live-action film, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and little Cindy Lou Who. You know, she was a little girl who was growing up, and for the first time in her life, the magic of Christmas did not seem to be there. The spirit of Christmas just didn't seem to be in her heart, and so she goes on a personal quest to see why she has lost the Christmas spirit, much to the financial gain of Faith Hill and her song, Where Are You Christmas? One of our family's favorite movies is Christmas movies is the movie Elf. And in the movie Elf, Santa's sleigh no longer reliably flies because the sleigh is powered by Christmas spirit. And Christmas spirit is waning all over the world because people have lost their belief. At one point in the movie, one of the characters asks Santa why he doesn't just show himself to the world, and then everyone would believe, and that would restore the Christmas spirit. And Santa sums up the Christmas spirit in the eyes of the world quite succinctly. Christmas spirit is about believing, not seeing. If the whole world saw me, all would be lost. What, what is this Christmas spirit that is all about believing and not seeing? What is it that little Cindy Lou Who sets out to rediscover for and within herself? It's a question the movies never really answer. It always remains a mysterious enigma, a riddle, an emotion that seems grounded as much in faith as it is in magic. And the kind of faith required to have the Christmas spirit is ultimately a faith in yourself and a faith in your fellow man. The spirit of Christmas is always self-directed. It is always self-focused. It is always about me experiencing the magic of Christmas. It is about me having emotions that feel good, maybe reconnecting with childhood memories and Christmas nostalgia. In fact, they did a study to determine if there is such a thing as Christmas spirit. Does this actually exist? And a researcher from Denmark showed showed different people images that depicted Christmas, you know, lights and trees and decorations and tinsel and all of these types of things. And when people saw these emotions, their brains registered happy emotions on the whole. This researcher concluded then that there actually is such a thing as the Christmas spirit network in the brain. And this is probably one reason why in an increasingly secular culture that is hostile toward the word of God, Christmas continues unabated. It makes people feel happy. There are exceptions. We know that if Christmas doesn't make someone happy, it usually produces stronger than normal negative feelings of depression, loneliness, or anger. But by and large, our society as a whole has fond memories of Christmas, memories that trigger happiness, memories that trigger nostalgia. And so Christmas stays as the primary holiday in our secular culture. Not surprisingly, when we look to the Word of God, we find that the Christmas spirit is not defined the way the secular culture defines it. Now, as you're sitting there, you're probably aware that the phrase Christmas spirit or spirit of Christmas does not occur in the Bible at all. In fact, the word Christmas isn't even in the Bible at all. But if we take Christmas spirit to mean essentially something that dominates your heart and mind as you think about 
the birth of Jesus Christ, then we find that the Bible does have something to say about how the coming of Jesus into the world should impact our hearts and minds. The Bible actually does define for us the spirit of Christmas, the way Christmas ought to impact us and change us, and the way we ought to feel as we come to the Christmas season as we meditate on the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we were truly to reflect the mindset, the emotion, the spirit of Jesus' birth and his coming into this world, what would that look like? Would it be chasing after some type of internal warmth, some type of inward pursuit of good feelings and and happy memories? Or would it look like something else? Here in this passage we read a few moments ago in the book of Philippians, we have some instructions regarding how the incarnation should impact our hearts and minds. The incarnation, this word incarnation, simply refers to the Son of God becoming a human being, entering into this world as a baby boy and growing into a man. And in Philippians 2, verse 5, we read this, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. This passage begins with a command. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have this mode of thinking. Have this mind within yourself. Have this perspective as you think about life and the world around you. As we think about this, this command, have this mind have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. What in the world is Paul talking about here? What, what is going on in this passage that leads him to this statement? Well, the Philippian church, if you read through the book of Philippians, which you could probably do in about 10 minutes, it's only four chapters. So if you read through this little letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, you find that the Philippian church is an almost ideal church. I mean, this is a, this is a church that is rock solid doctrinally. There's very few doctrinal issues that come up in the book of Philippians. In fact, you know, if you're beginning at a church somewhere and it's, it's uh, you know, you're not sure, you don't want to get off on the wrong foot by offending someone by stepping on some doctrinal sacred cow early on in your ministry, Philippians is a great place to start because there are just not a lot of controversial issues that come up in the book of Philippians. But the Philippian church, for all their strengths, had one significant problem, and that was they could not function as a unit. They had no unity in that body. They had all kinds of fighting and divisions and factions that were going on within that church. So they doctrinally sound and and, and a lot of good things going on, but they could not seem to get it together and function as one body in Christ. At the beginning of the letter, Paul prays that the Philippians would have love and discernment, as well as an ability to determine what things are worth dividing over and what things should not divide Christians. It it seems evident that the Philippians could not tell the difference between a primary issue and a secondary or a tertiary issue. So they fought over everything. And then when Paul writes chapter 2, he begins at verses 1 through 2 of this chapter saying, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. As you read that opening of chapter 2, you can almost feel the exasperation in his voice. 
as he goes through all these statements, if there is any encouragement, I mean, if you have ever been encouraged in Christ at all, at any level, if there is any consolation of love, if the love of Jesus has ever brought you any peace in a difficult time, if there is any fellowship that you have with the Holy Spirit, there's any affection, any compassion. I mean, just, he's not asking for much here, right? I mean, if you have experienced what it means to be a Christian at all, then please obey this command to be united, be of one mind, be intent on one purpose. And the reality, as we know as believers, that if we are in Christ, there is great encouragement. There is great consolation of love. There is immense fellowship of the Spirit. There is great affection and compassion in Jesus Christ. These are markers that define who Jesus is. Paul implores them, if they have experienced Christ at all, that they would be of the same mind in verse 2, that they would unite around one purpose. And chapter 1 of this letter explains to them the purpose that they are to unite around is the mission of the gospel to a lost and dying world. They're to come together to, to further that goal, to further that kingdom of Jesus Christ. Paul essentially here is imploring this church to have unity, to love one another, to have genuine fellowship in the Holy Spirit. Be of the same mind, he says in verse 2. And then he goes on to define that mind a little bit more in verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not look out for your own personal interests, but even for the interests of others. This mind that they ought to have, this unity, should be a unity that looks out for the needs and the interests of the other people in the body. Our life as believers should be focused on those around us, trying to meet their needs, being willing to accommodate their preferences, thinking of what would be good for the entire church, not just what I want. What will further the mission of the church, not what will make me feel better on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or in my small group or wherever I am. Paul says to the Philippians, look, Philippians, you guys have a spiritually mature church. You have a discerning church. You have a growing church, a generous church. He'll talk about in chapter 4. They are a giving church. They give financially to support the mission of the gospel. But you're not united. You're not pursuing the mission as one body with one mind. You're divided. You're self-seeking. You often care more about what you want than what is good for the church as a whole. And so when we come to verse 5, this is what he's talking about when he says to them, have the mind of Christ. Have the attitude that Jesus had. Northwest Christian School has made biblical worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.